This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, February 9th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Prices for fast food are rising, and they could go even higher. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the report on wholesale business inventories leads today's data. While we're hearing from the president of the Atlanta Fed, we're joined by Bob Bruska, chief economist, fact and opinion, economics based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. And when it comes to uh, wholesale inventories in December, that number was revised slightly higher. Yeah, the inventory gains... uh up 2.2% in December after rising 1.1% in uh, in November. Um, we're on a string of uh, strong inventory numbers. You might recall that the inventories were a colossal number in, uh, in GDP. Um, this is not surprising. We know that store shelves have been uh, pretty empty. There are supply chain problems, and firms are just working like crazy to try to rebuild inventories. So it looks like they're having some considerable uh, success. Um, you know, over three months now, we're looking at inventories growing faster than sales, 29% almost for inventories uh, compared to 20% for sales. And uh, the same over six months, 21% for inventories compared to 16% for sales. So um, firms are making progress in rebuilding the inventories. There are still lots of supply chain issues, as we know. A lot of your favorite stuff just isn't there at the store. And... Um, we're still concerned about the future, and there's a lot of stuff stacked up around ports that can't get in. So, uh, uh, you know, problems exist, but uh, the inventories are being rebuilt. And some of the shipping lines say they're uh, investing in their own uh, offloading processes to uh, make sure uh, some of those ships actually do arrive in port and uh, ease some of the pressure on their uh, offloading operations. But one area that still remains a trouble spot, and that is uh, motor vehicles, thanks to the uh, semiconductor shortage. Yes, yeah, you may have seen some of these uh, great articles in the paper about the prices for used cars and about how people now are repairing cars that they didn't use to repair and their repair bills are going up and you know mechanics are having difficult discussions with customers who want to repair a car because they don't want to buy a new one and the mechanic is sort of saying, well, I don't know if you want to put that kind of money into this car, you know. So, yeah, people are dealing with a different, different reality right now and, uh, uh, you know, the chips are a problem. Um, um, we're not caught up with it, and Ford and other companies are saying we're not going to be caught up for a while. So, uh, you know, this this problem with used cars and car prices is going to uh, linger for a while. And then we're hearing from the uh, president of the Atlanta Fed saying that uh, there is a roadmap when it comes to interest rate hikes. Uh, more than three rate hikes are possible, but he says the central bank is going to be flexible. Yeah, well, I think this is a uh, this is the kind of counterpoint that I've been waiting to hear from some people. Um, you know, what happened was that we had that uh, that surprising uh, GDP, uh, uh, I'm sorry, employment report for January, 
And, um, and it wasn't really that it was that strong. Um, it's just that it was stronger than expected, and it came with upward revisions. Although, if you look at the uh, job gains in the last 12 months, that was the ninth strongest uh, result. So, in other words, it was not really a strong number as job growth goes. There's no sense of acceleration. It just was a surprise at a time that the previous, the ADP report, which kind of previews the, the, the BLS report was weak. So people are trying to figure out where the economy really is. And economists are, you know, jumped ahead. Oh, I'm looking for four. I'm looking for five. I'm looking for six, playing the game of, you know, forecast leapfrog. And I think we have to settle back because the Fed can't raise rates too sharply or they'll cause a recession. And they don't want to do that. They want to control inflation. They don't want to call a recession, cause a recession. So the Fed's going to be looking for some kind of middle ground that will basically make everybody unhappy. Well, thanks for joining us, Bob Brusca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Coming up, fast food getting more expensive. The details on the way. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. Higher costs are impacting the fast food industry and menu prices are rising. Let's get the latest now from Izzy Karras, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the latest to report, uh, let's just call it uh, Big Burrito, uh, Chipotle and Yum Brands, the owner of Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut, uh, reporting yesterday, talking about how uh, higher prices, higher food prices, have cut into their profits. Uh, that's got to be the story across the entire restaurant industry. Well, it is, absolutely. As prices go up, every restaurant client that I have has had to raise their prices 15 to 20% just in the last 45 days. And... Uh, Boy, rising prices are more noticeable at fast food than any other part of our industry. And yet, uh, is do you have indications, though, that these are prices that the market is willing to bear? That uh, people, you know, they may grumble, but they still want to. They still want that taco. They still want that steak burrito. So they're gonna. They're willing to pay that additional eighty cents. Well. You know, that's interesting because at, at, let's say, a full-service restaurant, people accept the fact that prices are going up, and, and they can see it, but they don't notice it quite as much. But the problem with, uh, you know, the fast food chains is you've always been able to get a meal, you know, a sandwich, a drink, and fries, you know, for around $6, $7 at the most. But all of a sudden, people aren't grumbling to themselves. They're talking to their friends about, can you believe? that I just went to, you know, this fast food chain and my lunch was over $10. So this is where it's, you know, more noticeable in the fast food business. Is the lack of office traffic hurting fast food establishments, places that uh, might have been busy lunch hour destinations in an office park or maybe in downtown Chicago? Are they being squeezed by the fact that a lot of people are still working at home or you may not have nearly as many road warriors going to their airport location? Well, certainly, uh, you know, in major metropolitan areas, those fast food places are being squeezed in that way. But the one thing about the Yum report, and I was listening to the CEO today, their biggest growth, and it has grown, is in the uh, online business. So uh, a lot of those people who are still downtown and in other different, you know, other places are doing more ordering online. And this is where the growth is taking place in, in this particular market. 
Is there, did, did, um, it, it, when it comes to the price of food, I mean, commodities, you know, you can only grow so much of a particular product. There are only so many cows, so many pigs. Uh, is, is, does the possibility exist for deflation in food prices or at the very least uh, kind of uh, slowing down the cost curve? There will be. I think a big part of it has to do with the uh, transportation piece of it. And, you know, another thing that consumers don't think about when they're out buying, you know, food at a restaurant or a fast food place is one of the prices that's going up that's really affecting our business is the price of feed for the animals. So when the price of feed comes down and, and things start to slow down, I think we'll start to see a pullback in that way. And then very quickly, Izzy, you know, you've been on the station before talking about uh, some of the mandates in Chicago when it comes to uh, uh, vaccine requirements and masks. Uh, your reaction to the news that uh, the indoor mask rule uh, is going to be dropped in many areas of Illinois at the end of the month? That will be a very strong sign to the consumer that, hey, let's go back into the restaurants and it's going to be great for the restaurants and bring a lot of that business back. Unfortunately, the restaurants are still dealing with the labor piece of it, but getting consumer confidence to come back into my restaurant, that's the best news possible. Thanks for joining us. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Coming up next, the rise of the robo-financial advisor. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and robo-advisors first popped up around 2008 and have been growing in popularity ever since. Let's discuss the value of non-human advice. We're joined by Alec Lucas, strategist, manager research at Morningstar, based in Chicago. Alex, thanks for joining us today. And first off, we need to clarify, you know, your robo-advisor, it's not like uh, R2-D2 is uh, rolling into the office and with a couple of beeps, it's mastered your portfolio. No, not so much. Yeah, um, I think the best way to think about robo advisors is they're the uh, marriage between, they're the offspring rather of the marriage between modern portfolio theory and advanced computing power. So human beings have really designed um, the algorithms that run the money and, and played a prominent role. And, and major figures like William Sharp, Burton Malkiel have, have been uh, behind prominent robo advisors. So, yeah. So not quite R two D two. Not quite R two D two. So essentially, you sign up for a uh, brokerage account. You uh, plug in your age, your investment goals, the thing you want to do, and then the algorithm designs a portfolio for you. And it sounds like something that could definitely help the beginning investor who may be intimidated by all of the choices and all of the consequences uh, that that kind of uh, that you're facing as you embark on this journey. Yeah, the one thing I'd add to that is a risk tolerance questionnaire often plays a big role. And, and certain robo-advisors do that more thoroughly and won't even let you choose portfolio allocations that are uh, too out of whack with, with how you're assessed from a risk tolerance standpoint. So the idea is to give you a, a portfolio that improves your prospects to grow your wealth, but isn't going to scare you to, to jump out of it. Um, and there's varying degrees of access to human beings, uh, whether certified financial planners or, or otherwise. But yeah, it's a, it's a real compelling value proposition for um, investors. If it's been around since 2008, there's now you know close to 14 years of data to to gauge its effectiveness. And uh, does it work? I mean, how how does the you know the how does the rate of return for the algorithm advisor compare compared to a human financial advisor or someone just acting on their own? 
So we're still trying to assess data on that. Um, the history of robo-advisors actually dates to 1996 when a firm um, that William Sharp helped founded Financial Engines started. There's been a lot of evolution in the space. Um, you're correct to sort of anchor on 2008. It's really a phenomenon that's grown in sort of the post-financial crisis world. But to give you a sense, it's still very early days in the space. So we estimate that at year-end 2020, there was you know roughly 115 to 120 billion dollars in assets in U.S. assets and robo advisors. Contrast that with a $25.4 trillion total addressable market that Cerulea Associates estimated. So at, two, at the end of 2020, the robo-advisor space could have been about 200 times bigger than it was, and it still wouldn't have quite matched its total addressable market. So we're seeing a lot of growth, um, just as you're seeing a proliferation of, of, of uh, cloud-based capabilities. I think that's only going to help robo-advisors. The coronavirus, stay-at-home um, orders and so forth got people a lot more comfortable with doing everything online. Uh, I personally had never cashed a check uh, over a smartphone until the coronavirus hit. I think there are a lot of people like that. So we're seeing a lot of growth in the space. Some of the bigger players are growing at 20% annualized rate over the last three years ended in 2020. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Alec Lucas, Strategist Manager Research at Morningstar, based in Chicago. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, young investors look to social media for financial advice. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. An update on Illinois' indoor mask mandate is coming this afternoon. The state of New York drops its masking order, except in public schools. Personal Finance Wednesday, a survey suggests nearly a quarter of young American investors have looked at the social media app TikTok for money advice. Also on the financial front, Americans could face record credit card debt by the middle of the year. 
year. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 270 points. The NASDAQ is up 239 points. The S&P 500 is up 57. We have 40 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. That's your high for today. Temperatures in the low 40s, mostly cloudy, rather breezy this afternoon. Could see a rain or snow shower in places later on. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. The governor is expected to announce changes to his mask order during an appearance today. The story from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. Governor Pritzker has a COVID-19 update this afternoon and reportedly will outline how he plans to lift some mask mandates. He spoke yesterday at a Springfield grocery store and said his administration is working on new mask guidelines. We've gotten here because people wore their masks. We've gotten here because people got vaccinated. We have the highest vaccination rate in the Midwest. Uh, We've gotten here because people have been responsible in Illinois. And so it's a tremendous uh, desire of mine to do what we did last summer, which is, you know, take masks off. Multiple reports indicate, however, that the governor will continue his legal battle to require masks in schools. COVID numbers in Illinois are in a downward trend. However, the state is still averaging nearly 7,000 new cases a day with 76 deaths a day. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio 1059, WBBM. And we'll carry the governor's update live on WBBM starting around 2 o'clock this afternoon. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has announced the state is ending a COVID 19 mandate requiring face coverings and more at most indoor public settings, but we'll keep those rules in place for schools. The order covering businesses such as grocery stores, shops, and offices was put in place around December 10th. Hochul says infection rates have declined to a level where it's safe to rescind the broad masking requirement. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today as the rally continues. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us today. While there's still talk about market volatility, this week uh, shows a slow and steady climb. Uh, does that mean uh, volatility is behind us for now or are there or is there more turbulence on the way? Well, it could come back, but let me try to explain what's going on uh, right now. We've been in a tug of war between earnings and interest rates, Uh, and earnings have been strong. Seventy-five to eighty percent of companies have beat expectations, Uh, and and so that that and you've had several companies and and, and this week uh, report uh, strong earnings that the markets uh, uh, took a liking to. Uh, the fear has been interest rates, and you're, there's an evolving change in the consensus. We were afraid that the, that the Fed was going to have to increase interest rates so much, so fast, that it could lead to a growth scare and possibly a recession. And what's happening is uh, uh, Fed, Fed um, uh, uh, Chair uh, Bostic was on CNBC this morning, a couple of other uh, uh, Fed spokesmen uh, have, have said that they really believe that this is going to be a short, one-time burst in interest rates. You're going to get four or five this year, maybe one uh, uh, next year, and that uh, that should be it. And if that's the case, then the economy combine, can continue to grow, uh, especially combined with the decrease in the uh, Omicron virus. Now, what could go wrong? Uh, what could go wrong is if the Fed is wrong and inflation stays higher longer, and if it looks over the summer that they remain behind the curve, and we're talking about 
four or five interest rate increases next year, uh, well, that could change the picture. And also a new variant of the virus could change the picture. So right now the market is um, uh, has settled down and is uh, uh, clawing back some of the losses it had in January and early February. And w- when it comes to inflation, there are some things that are driving inflation that are outside of the purview of the Federal Reserve. I mean, for example, you know, the Fed can't make semiconductors. The Fed uh, can't magically nurse uh, food service workers back to health or people who work in food processing plants. Uh, they also, uh, you know, they're not stevedores. They can't take things off of ships. So if if those things kind of work themselves out and inflation falls, uh, can the Fed say mission accomplished? Well, uh, I think you're going to make progress in a couple of areas. And, and, and the answer is yes, if they do, the Fed can say mission accomplished. With Omicron coming down, people are going back to work. Uh, and also several companies have started to say that they see the light at the end of the tunnel on supply chain uh, issues. Uh, combined with the fact that um, uh, the increase in inflation uh, uh, started uh, uh, about this time last year, so the comparisons, the year-over-year comparisons start to get easier in terms of the year-over-year change in inflation because they were, they, they were already high last year. Uh, combined with the fact that um, uh, expectations for inflations have started to decline, we still have to work our way through uh, rents and wages. Uh, which which should stay stay strong through the rest of this year. So the um, uh, Bostic this morning said he hopes to see inflation down to three percent by the end of the year from what will be a seven percent figure uh, likely tomorrow in the CPI print. Uh, if if it's three percent and the economy continues to grow and the Fed gets away with uh, four to five to six interest rate increases, you'll still have low rates in a growing economy, and we should be fine. Thanks for joining us, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors based in New York. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and a survey suggests nearly one in four young investors has taken financial advice from a post on the site TikTok. Let's discuss social media and investing with Ed Jertson, Certified Financial Planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. The website is EngageWealthGroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us today. Uh, If you are of a certain age, if you're above and beyond the TikTok generation, you hear a story like this and say, oh, well, this is certainly, uh, why are you getting advice from uh, social media sites that lack substance when you should be getting financial advice from an AM radio show based in Chicago, AM and FM, <laughs> and also available online on the Odyssey app. Um, but at the same time, you know, this might light the fire under some people who may be curious about investing, and this gets them into the field, and then they just get better advice going forward. Yeah, Rob, for those listeners who aren't aware, TikTok is an app where anyone can post really short videos, generally 60 seconds or less. And it's really popular, as you mentioned, in terms of the younger generations with, you know, a billion users and growing. And this this financial TikTok sub-community, if you would, called FinTalk, is really growing rapidly. And, and to your point, the great part about this is it's ensnaring, if you would, or really catching the attention of a younger generation on all things money matters that either weren't discussed in their household or amongst their friends. So that's the good part 
about what's happening on FinTalk right now. And there's all sorts of, oh, that's called FinTalk. I had no idea it had its own, uh, its own category and genre. But you talk about people getting advice from various different uh, internet platforms. And when you get right down to it, it's just a 21st century take on the good old-fashioned advice show. I mean, Reddit is revolutionary in some ways, but it's basically the 21st century version of Bernard Meltzer's old radio talk show. I need to know how to fix a door. How can I fix a door? And what you know is is the advice that uh, these that FinTalk is dispensing to people is this uh, the, the type of advice that uh, for people who are just getting interested in investing and this gets them in the door? Yeah, we talked about the good thing about FinTalk is that it's connecting with the younger community. The the challenging part is just what you had mentioned. Anyone can post to FinTalk. So whether you're someone who has knowledge or not, or whether you create these fun videos, that is the one big challenge behind this is that there are no rules or regulations. And it's important to understand you're not going to learn everything that you need in terms of money in 60 seconds. So the general advice is to remember this is designed for the masses and may not be appropriate for your particular situation, especially someone of a younger generation. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the first anniversary of kind of the meme stock craze and the Reddit Wall Street bets uh, site. And uh, and it was just this, it kind of dismissed as a lot of people with uh, extra money and a whole lot of time uh, finding something to do. But one can see, you know, maybe someone who's a, a serious investor now, that was their way in, that 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 piqued their interest. And and now they're at their they're investing, they're learning about how markets work, and, and that's got them in. Yeah, and that's an excellent point, right? So we looked at the mean stocks and that whole element of the FOMO move, right? The fear of missing out. Your friends are making money and the such. I've been providing unbiased financial advice for 30 years, and I'd hate to tell your listeners, but there's no guaranteed way to get rich overnight, right? It takes time. But more importantly, and again, this is where FinTalk really comes in, if something piques your interest, terrific. Then go take the time to spend analyzing and researching, because again, just because someone says buy XYZ company doesn't mean you should buy it tomorrow. And also, again, this is the most important part for your listeners. This is unregulated. So don't forget there's some unscrupulous people out there that are trying to bolster some of those mean stocks. So when you're buying it, they're selling it. So be very, very careful about buying any product or service or investment without spending the time to understand what you might be getting yourself into. Well, thanks for joining us today, Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website, engagewealthgroup.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, credit card debt in America heading towards record highs. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. American consumers are on a path to record credit card debt this year. Let's look behind the numbers with Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Is this just another sign of uh, the American consumer unleashing his or her demand uh, following uh, uh, pandemic disruptions? That's a big part of it. We have some other things at play here, too, like high inflation Higher interest rates are not here yet, but when they come, they're certainly going to make this worse. I also think that there was kind of an artificial element to the fact that credit card debt fell so much through 2020 and early 21. It was down 17% at one point from the end of 2019 to early last year. 
people got all those stimulus payments. There were expanded unemployment benefits. This really helped to bring debt down. People were spending less because they were afraid to go out and do things during the especially early part of the pandemic. So now we're seeing all this reverse. And I think we may see record high credit card debt levels by the middle of this year. And is this also a reflection uh, as we pivot from uh, more generous stimulus payments to uh, more generous uh, paychecks and salaries uh, as a result of the great upgrade or great resignation, whatever you want to call it? Uh, people are more willing to spend uh, and put stuff on their credit card because they have a greater ability to pay it off. There is some truth to that. But then, unfortunately, some people are putting essentials on credit cards. And basically the fact that food and housing and transportation and everything is costing more, especially at the lower end of the economic spectrum, that is really hurting people. So, you know, inflation sort of weighs on on this in a couple of ways. Um, You know, we like getting higher wages as workers. We don't like paying higher prices as consumers. And they are related, certainly. Um, So it kind of depends who you are. But you know, in general, I think there are some worrisome trends here that I think are adding up to higher balances. This is really happening in fast forward compared to the past. During and after the financial crisis, it took six years for credit card debt to hit bottom. And then it took another four years to climb back to a previous record. This time we hit bottom in a little over a year. It's probably going to be about a year and a half after that till we have a new record. Higher interest rates are going to make this a challenge. Now, is this a situation where uh, there was a great deal of elasticity that uh, it went down pretty quickly, now it's bounced back up, back to back to trend, or uh, is, is there a sign that this is going to level off? I think it's going to just increase because of higher prices, higher interest rates, and also all this pent-up demand. That's another thing. Just like I was saying, there's two sides to inflation, both higher wages and higher costs. You know, I think the same thing's happening with COVID. We're thankful that the virus seems to be, if not going away, at least going down and getting better. And then that comes with it, all the temptations to get out and travel and dine out and go back to the office and and do more things. And as much as we want normalcy, I think there's a risk of perhaps overdoing it. And that sort of contributed for a while to these lower balances is people were spending less. They were getting all this stimulus money. So I think at this point, it's kind of off to the races for credit card balances. Thanks for joining us. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.